hard to deal with. And that's one of the things we're doing this morning. I'm actually going to look at the clock today, which I normally don't do. You know what it means when a preacher looks at the clock, don't you? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I trust you had a great holiday Christmas time. Uh, we certainly did. Uh, we got some stuff, and stuff is always nice. Uh, but the most important thing we got uh, was a realization of the grace of God in giving us his son and salvation and then family and the love that comes and the, uh, uh, in family and then the family that is the church. Great gifts, gifts that are available. Certainly the gift of the great family in the church is available to us all. The gift of his salvation is available to us all. This is a great season, and I trust that you will enjoy it um, as is appropriate to enjoy it. If I'm going to be reading Isaiah, the ninth chapter, verses 1 through 7, and I'm going to ask you to listen carefully to this uh, scripture, because I want you to hear what it says clearly. Isaiah, for those of you that are turning, Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. Nevertheless, there will be no gloom for those who were in darkness. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephi. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice in the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used to in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. There will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And following on that scripture, we sing a great hymn. And often when we sing hymns, we don't look at the words of what the hymn says. And the hymn I want us to look at is Joy to the World. What a great carol 
of Christmas. And listen to the words very carefully. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove, and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Joy to the world, the king is come. The king is come. Let the earth receive her king. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. This verse strikes a note which occurs again and again in the account of Christmas. Much of the emphasis of the worship of the church at Christmas is on Christ's coming as king. Not just as baby, not just as baby, that's the story we hear often, but not just as baby, but when he grew up, but who would grow up and teach the world about righteousness and truth, not only as one would give his life upon the cross for our salvation, but he came as king. King. Our king and savior draweth nigh. Come, let us adore him. It was because he was king that Herod was afraid of him. Herod was afraid of Christ because he was king. And Herod realize that in some way or other. The other kings of the earth, we have the account of the Magi. We don't really know who exactly they were. They may have been rulers in their own part. They may have been astrologers. They may have been priests of uh, Judaism or of Zoroastrianism. They uh, may have been, in fact, kings in their own right. We don't know, but these men of power came to worship him. Why? Because he was the king. He was the king. And that's the important part. They came to pay him homage. And where was he born? He was born in the royal city of David. David came from Bethlehem. And it was in this city where he was born. And throughout the Christmas story, we are reminded that a whole new era had started. A whole new time. We talk about the turning points of history. Here is the greatest turning point in human history. The king had come. The king had come. Christ's kingdom has now been established. That's the part of everything I say today. That's the part I want you to understand. Christ's kingdom has been established. He is sovereign who came to reign and who is reign, who does reign. This is true. And so Christmas is not just about looking back, not just a reminder that there was a time when God came in the form of a baby born in humble circumstance to humble parents. It's not just about that. It's not just 
looking back, but Christmas is also about looking forward as well. It is a reminder that he came to change the world and he came to change human events. The world would never be the same after this. Christmas marks the beginning of a reign in which we share today and the fullness of which we look forward to. Jesus reigns today. We look forward to the fullness of his reign. In secular history, in spite of what we keep hearing from time to time, in secular history, the thread that runs through Western civilization is the kingdom of God that Christ oversees, that he is the king of. It is the thread that holds Western civilization's history together. It is also the thread that has gone throughout the world and threads throughout the world. So many things are unique to the coming of Christianity to various parts of the world. Today we have government run this and government run that and government run something else. But the institutions that are really important today, that we recognize as vital today, were all institutions that Christians began. Hospitals, orphanages, taking care of those who were in need around them uh, by organizing it, not just letting it happen, but organizing it, making sure that it works. All of that came by the influence of Christianity, the concern for one another. And in spite of the fact that the United States committed the sin of slavery way too late, it was, in fact, Christians that fought slavery. Now, were there Christians on the other side? Well, unfortunately, yes. But in spite of that, we see that the coming of Christ made a change throughout the world, throughout uh, Western civilization. It is the golden thread, despite the periods of darkness that were there, and there, were, there have been periods of darkness, despite the periods of regression, when civilization went backwards instead of forwards, Christmas marks the beginning of the reign of Christ that ultimately must be and will be extended to the entire world and to every aspect of human life. We look at Christmas that way, and then we look at our newspapers. Or maybe we don't look at newspapers anymore. Maybe we look at the internet or the television. And we can get awfully discouraged. This morning I was sitting uh, in the fireside room after I come, I come relatively early on Sunday morning, and I was sitting in the uh, fireside room reviewing the message for this morning. And it suddenly struck me that God did not have me uh, have this message for you. I'm glad you're here, you can listen in. But he was trying to get something across to me. As some of you know, I get sort of passionate about certain issues and events. And uh, they become, they have sometimes dominated my life way too much. And when I know that the kingdom of God is here and I see what goes on 
I get discouraged. The modern world is not in, doesn't seem sometimes to be primarily influenced by Jesus Christ. Other forces seem to be affecting the, the, de, the destinies of men, and the way it's affecting it is negative and will be negative if things continue as they are. It can be discouraging to think of this as we think about Christ as king, but we have to remember Christ was born and we celebrate Christmas because he reigns. Regardless of what we see out there, regardless of what the cable news or the internet or the newspapers are telling us, Christ reigns. He is the king overall. And we have to contrast what we're seeing in the newspapers and television and internet with the reign of Christ. With the reign of Christ. So, should we give up in discouragement because things don't look like we think they ought to be looking? We can't see the progress? Should we withdraw to the church as people are suggesting, by the way? There are powerful people close to the president who are suggesting that being a Christian and being in churches is a good thing, and we should do it in our churches, and we should do it in our homes, but it should stay out of everywhere else. Is that what we should do? Withdraw to the church, to the walls of the church, cloister ourselves in the church, stay within our homes, talk within our homes, but not beyond? No. Certainly not. Why? Because it would be not to deny the truth that lies between, behind everything. The truth is that at Bethlehem, God entered history as king. That's the truth. That's the truth. We cannot withdraw from our society. We cannot allow our society to go on unchallenged when Christ is the king. And so we don't get discouraged. Jesus did not come simply as a teacher, another prophet. He came as king. And he brought a vision of love and hope. And it is God who rules history. And when I get discouraged, I have to remind myself, it is God who rules history. It is God who rules history. And the world has looked terrible in the past. This is not the first time. As I've told you before, I think most of us uh, view history as something that started last week. But it's gone on a lot longer than that. And we know that there have been many times in history, in various parts of the world, that things looked dark and they would never change. The whole book of Revelation was written because the people were oppressed and it seemed there was no way out. And the message of Revelation, regardless how you, how you interpret all the stuff that is in Revelation, the message of Revelation is God is in control. Jesus is king. So regardless of how you look at Revelation, regardless how you interpret the pictures and all that go on in there, finally when all is said and done, that's the message that we need to get. 
And so there have been other dark times. But it doesn't matter. God is in control. Jesus is king. This babe that came to Bethlehem is now our king, and he will and does rule. Look more, diff- go more deeply at the Christmas message. Let us remember we see the eternal God physically entering history and entering our world. The revelation is not just in words. It's in a person. He is the revelation. Christ is the revelation. You want to know what God looks like? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Christ is all. He is the revelation. Everything that is written is simply a description of him. For he is the revelation. This revelation is essential and it's real. It's essential and it's real. So the kingdom of God has come and will come in all of its fullness. He reigns now, not just in the future. We're not looking at this time as the devil's time and that time will be his time. We live in his time. We live in his time. Let us deepen our faith. Let us remember at this period of the year that despite what it looks like, Christ really reigns. He is the king. The battle out there may be long and it may be difficult and there may be reverses, and there may be things occur that trouble us. But finally, when all is said and done, God himself will triumph. He will triumph. There is a great hymn of faith that says, I'm on the winning side. And guess what? I'm on the winning side. I'm on the winning side. In spite of all the discouragements, in spite of the cruelty that we see in the world, Christ's reign has begun. And we can, in faith, trust and carry on with confidence that ultimately he will succeed. In fact, in God's time, he already has. It's already done. We need to to have faith to carry on despite the discouragements, despite despite sometimes the disillusionments, despite sometimes the failure of people that we've come to admire as Christians, despite what else goes on in the world, we need to carry on. Faith is not just for our comfort. Faith is primarily for our commitment. Yes. Does faith bring comfort? Yes, it does. And we often emphasize that, particularly in periods of of struggle. But in fact, faith is for commitment. We are committed. There is no middle ground. I am not sort of in the army of God. I am in the army of God. 
I am in the army of God. I've always found it funny that people join the military, they join the Air Force, they join the Navy, they join the Marines or the Army, and then when it comes time to be deployed, they're all surprised and don't want to go. Well, friends, you're either in or out. There is no middle ground. I am either committed or I'm not. That's where we are. I am either committed or I am not. By faith, I am committed. I am committed. And he asked us, those who are members of his church, to spread his kingdom into every aspect of human life. First and foremost, for us to live it. Our best testimony is that we live as citizens of the kingdom. And then when we speak, the speaking means something. First and foremost, we live the kingdom. We live the kingdom. We are faithful. We are people of character because God makes us people of character. Not because I'm wonderful, but because he's wonderful. And our job is to spread that news The days are hastening on when he shall reign over all things. And that means you and I have to rededicate ourselves in this world. Our ministry, yours and mine. See, there is no such thing in in my understanding of theology, there is no such thing as laity. Laity doesn't occur for me. We are all ministers with different offices. Amen. With different tasks. But we are all ministers just the same. We are all ministers just the same. And so we are the ones that will spread that good news. We are the ones who will show people the sovereignty of God. We are the ones that will, bring, that will bring the good news of Christ to the world. It is those of us that are in schools that will do it. It is those of us who may be in what few factories are left that will do it. It's those of us that live in a retail, that work in a retail store down the way that will do it. It's those of us that labor in various ways. It's those of you that labor in your home taking care of your family. It's those of you that right now would like to labor, but you don't have anywhere to go do it. It's up to you. It's up to me. Our task is to spread the good news. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand from what I say here. The work will be done. Christ reigns now. The only question is, will we be in our place doing our task or not? Christ's work will be done. Will we be part of it? That's the question. I am a grandfather. Which, by the way, other than being a Christian, is the best thing I've ever been. (laughs) Well, husband to Beverly isn't bad either. But I am a grandfather. I have a responsibility to my grandchildren. It's an important responsibility. One, it's important that I live before them 
what is required for the kingdom. That I am faithful and committed in front of them. And then my responsibility becomes to teach when I can. Fortunately, my son and my daughter-in-law are wonderful and they let me teach lots. And it's great. But that's a responsibility I have. It's not something I just do because, but I have a responsibility. Just as I had a responsibility to my children and you have a responsibility to your children and grandchildren, but I also have a responsibility to my neighbor, to my spouse, to the people at work, to the people in the community. First and foremost, to live the kingdom, but second of all, to share the kingdom. We have the greatest gift that you could possibly have. What a great gift we have. Jesus Christ has given to us salvation, eternal life. If you have this great gift, why are we not giving it away as best we can? Um, Beverly and I sold Amway for a while, like so many people have. By the way, just to say a good word for Amway, when we decided to quit, they did everything they said they would do. Our relationship was great with them. I'm not suggesting you go be an Amway dealer, but I just thought I ought to throw that in. But you know what I learned? I learned that in Amway. I learned it in selling shoes. If you don't show them people, and if you don't tell people, they can't buy it because they don't know about it. If we don't show people what being a Christian is, and then if we don't tell people about the salvation Christ has, we can't expect them to accept Christ. And if they don't accept Christ, we can't expect them to live the way that God calls them to live. And so we shouldn't be surprised when the society has a problem. But here is the good news. Here is the good news. The kingdom will prevail. It is at this time of year that it's a good time to rededicate ourselves to his service. To his service. And to turn over to him those parts of our lives that we still may be hoarding. And so what's the good news? Let earth receive her king. Christ reigns. He reigns today. Let us pray. Father, how thankful we are for your salvation, for all that you've given us. And as we are in this world and we get discouraged as we listen to the radio and the television and read the news and all of that goes on, help us to remember Christ reigns. The kingdom is now. In the end, we will see his salvation and we will see his victory. Give us faith to be committed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.